Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with episode four of the Tutor Podcast, the weekly show for anyone who's in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, teacher or a coach, or if you're just thinking about using your skills and knowledge to help other people, then this is the show that will help you to start, grow and love your own tutoring business and to run your businesses better. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about starting your own tutoring business. Now, if you're already in the business of tutoring, don't worry, stay with me because a lot of what we'll be covering will be useful to you too. So I'll be sharing my thoughts on why now is the best time to start a tutoring business, something of an overview of the whole startup process, and the three forms of business trading that you might consider, and pros and cons of each. We'll look at your legal obligations when you start as a sole trader with a tutoring business, or any other small business for that matter, because the rules don't really change. We'll talk about getting organised, what records to keep, and how to essentially go pro. We'll talk about setting your prices and your rates, and finally wrapping up, we'll be talking about finding perfect clients and perfect students for free. So, let's loop back and dive in for some more details. First of all, now is the best time ever to start your tutoring business. Demand for private sector tuition continues to rise. And as certain areas of state education are shrunk back and constrained and budgets are cut and staff are allowed to waste, as they call it, then where do people go? Where do caring parents go to get their kids educated? They come to us. That's where we come in. Passionate private tutors are experiencing growth and demand like I've never seen before. Very recently I've noticed that the number of inquiries I get every week is going up and up and up. And I'm already fully booked. I'm booked solid and I have a waiting list. It's, it's amazing. In almost 20 years now, I've never seen demand surging like this. So this is the best time ever to start your tutoring business. There's a lot of people out there looking for people like you and me. When you start the business, you take control of your life. You call the shots and you make the choices. You essentially have freedom. And because you have freedom, you have the security of steering the ship. It's your ship. You steer it. You don't have to do as you're told. You don't have to worry about the next Ofsted inspection if you're working in state sector or what the boss will say. It's just the best. I suggest get on and do it. If you're worried now and you don't think you're up to it, don't sweat. You will grow. Boy, will you grow. Your business will grow you. You're going to learn way more than your students do. It can change your whole life, believe me. So, let's think about getting started. First things first, decide what you want. If you want to just make a little bit of money on this side from teaching, that's fine. If you want to go all the way, full time, and go full out, let's do it. The rules don't really change. I'd suggest right up front that the 
key considerations should be what you want. How do you want your life to run? And then build the business to give you that life. So you've already achieved everything that you want and you'll be happy along the way. So I want you to ask yourself how much you want to earn. And I want you to be ambitious about this. If you set a small target, let's say you decide you want to earn £30,000 a year. That's what, $40,000. Then great. If you hit the target, bully for you. That's £30,000. If you set the target at fifty grand, but you fall short and you only make forty, did you make more than if you made thirty? Of course you did. Suppose you set yourself a target of £100,000 and you fell short and made a miserable eighty-five grand. Would that be so bad? So set your goals big. And I want you to think 15 years out from now. However old you are, I want you to think 15 years in the future. What do you want to be doing? Do you want to be trading time for money or do you want to have built a business that pays you while you're asleep? Because this is something else that I think is vitally important to us is that we have multiple streams of income that we're not just trading time for money. Because if you want to trade time for money, that's a job, that's not a business. Okay, the very next question I want you to ask is where will you work? Where do you want to work? Do you want to work at your home? Do you want to work in your customers' homes? on location effectively or do you want to work in a third location it's entirely up to you remember that if you want to work with your customers in their homes you'll have to build in the cost of the traveling time at your hourly rate the cost of your vehicle and the cost of setting up in time terms and setting down when you arrive at the customer's location that will mean you'll have to charge a significantly higher hourly rate because the hour you spend with your client will be bookended by a time cost of travel which you'll obviously need to be reimbursed for otherwise that that's time spent working although it's en route to a job for which you won't be paid so if you're charging say 30 pounds an hour but it takes you 20 minutes to drive to your customer's house and 20 minutes back that's an hour and 40 minutes to do that session. If you're only getting paid £30, you'll have to do your own maths. But it isn't £30 an hour anymore. It's considerably less. So, personally, I recommend that you have your own teaching room. Preferably at your own home. Because it means no travelling, no commuting. You can then build your schedule around that. And because it's your own location, you can control the environment. I've done a few sessions with customers at their homes and it's been chaos. I have to take equipment with me, set things up, the TV's on in the background, the kids are screaming. You can't concentrate in that, you can't achieve a result. Of course, if you're not able to achieve the result with your client, you're not providing them benefit, what are you charging lessons for? What are you charging for? It's, it's crazy to do that. So I would recommend, unless you have a very good reason, have yourself a teaching location and structure your perfect working life in the future. Think about where you want to end up. How do you want it to go? And work backwards from that vision of how you want your perfect working life to be to the point where you can start today. So I asked the question, looking at my ideal working week, what did I do before I did that? And figure out what I did the week before it was perfect and then 
what did I do the week before that? And how did I get there? And what did I do before that? And I keep asking that question back until I arrive at the point I'm at today. And that will tell me the first action that I can take towards bringing that ideal reality forward and take it now. So I get on and do it. So that's my sort of overview of how to plan your business, how to visualize it. There are the three types of business entity you can consider. And there's an upside and a downside of each. When we start in business, we have to identify ourselves, particularly with regard to the tax authorities, as either a sole trader, a partnership, or a limited company. Now, a sole trader is just Joe Public, who's decided to start selling his services or time or a product under his own steam. And the law doesn't really distinguish his trading activities from him as a private individual. Now, that makes it quite easy to run, very easy to set up, but it does mean that you're not protected from business failures. A sole trader business style does not protect you from your business debts. And that's significantly different than a limited company. Limited within the company name means limited liability. This gives complete legal separation between the individual, that's you or I, and their business entity. Your liability is limited to the value of your holdings in the company. So if your company goes down the pan, your private possessions, your home, are essentially completely separate and unrelated to that business failure. Okay, so that just leaves partnerships. Now, unless you have a partner, you can't actually start a partnership. So that's going to automatically exclude a lot of us. I'm not an expert on partnerships, but if you would like to go into business with someone else as a partnership, I recommend do your homework, go and talk to an accountant about it. I know my own firm of accountants, the ones that I use, were quite happy to sit with me for two hours and discuss business structures when I reconfigured my own businesses recently. Recommend it, get expert advice. Today then, I'm just going to focus on the sole trader startups because I think that's where most of us will be starting out for the first time in the tutoring business. There aren't many legal obligations when you decide that you want to be a, a professional tutor and start a business. The only real legal obligation is that you log on to the HMRC website in the UK and register yourself for a self-assessment form. Register as self-employed and get yourself registered for self-assessment. It's not big, it's not scary, it's a very skinny little form at the end of the year. People talk about it like it's big and scary, but it isn't. Something I would recommend, even though it's not a legal requirement, is to get proper public liability insurance to protect yourself. If someone's visiting your teaching location, be it your home, whatever, and they trip, you could be sued. So make sure that your insurance properly covers you against that eventuality, if it should ever happen. I've been doing this 20 years, and fingers crossed, I've never had anyone injured on the premises. So think safe, get yourself insured. It's worth the money, I promise you. So that's really it as far as the legal side of it goes. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is get yourself organized. Honestly, if you're organized right from the start, 
you have a sense of control and nothing is screaming and going crazy at you. Have yourself an organized workspace. This is why I think that working at your own home or a set aside location is so important. Organize your workspaces, your office and your teaching rooms. Make sure they're safe, clean, comfortable and well lit. In your office, make sure that everything has its own place. In your teaching room, everything has a place. Nothing's piled up on top of each other. Teetering piles of crap everywhere. It doesn't look good. It will put your customers off and it marks you out as an amateur. Build yourself systems and keep everything in place, ready to roll before you need them. It's easy to implement a system if you only have one person to implement it for. So whether it's a student record or a schedule or some kind of payment system via the banks, implement it with your first customer. Because if you don't, you won't implement it on your second. And if you don't do it on your second, you won't do it on the third. And before you know it, you'll be booked solid. Everything's going absolutely out of control. And the stress is huge. I've seen it so many times in small business when I worked as in the management consultancy field. Get yourself organized. It's not that hard. One of the most important things to do is to get yourself a separate bank account for all of your business monies. I've done this very successfully with a second personal account for 19 years, and that's fine for most salt traders. The banks are fine with that. All the money that you are paid goes through the bank. All the money you pay out for the business goes out of that bank account. They all go in and out the same account. We used to say that the bank statement is the acid test of your records. It's like having someone off-site refereeing your accounting system sometimes. Write everything down and check it against the bank. So every time you discover something new, this is a little side note to this getting organized, Every time you have an idea when you're teaching, every time you define a new technique for yourself, every time you have one of those ah light bulb moments, write it down, grab a note, write it down, and you will build over time a manual of teaching tips and ideas and insights that will help you going forward. If you have a manual full of teaching insights, aha moments and light bulbs, you could actually turn that into a book at some point in the future to help other people and obviously that becomes a generator of passive income for you. It also allows you and I, more importantly, to review our own notes and learn from our journey. It's a fantastic record and I always have, in my case, a file of facts open on the desk in my teaching room. So what records do you actually need to keep? Well, it's kind of simple really. Just a record of your sales, a day sheet or a column or cell in a spreadsheet if you're using that. Even a simple diary can be helpful. You'll need to keep a record of your purchases. Personally, I keep all of my receipts stuck onto punch sheets of A4 in a ring binder, a four ring binder. Each page has its own number, which I can then refer to if I need to find a transaction quickly. It makes life so much easier with the accountant and it's just bonkers to throw them in a big pile and not touch them because you'll end up with a huge pile that overwhelms you you have total chaos and disorder and then you've got to pay a boatload of cash out to your accountant to get it sorted my system works great and i'll share details of that with you later finally then if you're doing any business travel you'll need to keep a record of your mileage because any time you use your car 
for your business you can claim expenses back against your tax because it's effectively a reduction of profit so either keep a diary in the car and every time you go out on business keep a record of the miles uh, incidentally did you know that you could even claim for using your bicycle for business purposes so if you cycle to the bank to pay cash in you could actually claim that mileage back for a tax relief just a thought so yeah a diary in your car keep a record sheet in the office or a cell in a spreadsheet for all of your mileages so think like a professional ask yourself what would a professional do in this situation now when you start to think like a pro it's immensely beneficial because you'll start to look for opportunities to become visible to let people know what you do you know develop yourself a 20 second long elevator pitch that's something more interesting than ah i'm a guitar teacher i mean that's not going to enthrall anyone so my elevator pitch usually goes like this well what i do is i give back people's dreams of playing a musical instrument and being creative by initiating them in the ways of a unique system which i've developed myself over the course of 40 years all of that fast tracks them to become the player they always dreamed of being that says a lot more than me just meh i'm a guitar teacher doesn't it so let people know what you do and that means advertise and market yourself you have to let everyone know that you exist so that everyone can get in touch with you and by implementing the ddwt rule which we discussed in a previous episode you'll be able to acquire your ideal clients your ideal students your ideal customers but you're not going to be for everyone so you have to let lots of people know in order to whittle away at the people who aren't right for you now because you're going to be a highly specialized teacher coach tutor then you've got to think about setting your rates because specialists are valuable mm. When you set your rates, most people will simply ask around and find out what everyone else is charging. Whatever it is in your area, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds per session, whatever it is. And you'll tend to pitch around about in the middle of that range. Don't want to be too cheap, just in case people think you're rubbish. Don't want to be too expensive in case you're too expensive. I know how it goes, that's exactly what I did. Ultimately... I learned not to compete on price. I found it was a lot easier to set my prices high and forget about it than it was to repeatedly go back and tell my customers that I'd put my prices up again. So the customers that I still had and wanted to keep, I gradually eased their rates up, but the new customers went straight in at the much higher rate until eventually everything was homogenized and flat across the board. You'll always be asked whether you discount for block bookings. And I would recommend that you don't. Because if you take a block booking up front from a customer, especially a new customer who is not right for you, then you're going to have to give them that money back. Now, depends on you whether you've already spent that money. But you won't enjoy giving the money back, I promise you that. Furthermore, if you discount your services at any time, you're eroding your perceived value. I won't let my own students block book in advance because... I'm giving them a discount. If I don't give that discount to everyone, I don't think that's particularly fair. I don't really want to be exercising split pricing. 
I'm just going to have a flat rate across the board for everyone within each service that I do. So set your rates right, set them high and enforce that policy. I promise you, you'll be grateful that you did. So finally then, how do you find your perfect clients? How do you find your perfect students without it costing you any money? Well, first of all, you better know what your perfect student or your perfect client is like. Uh, this is sometimes called your avatar. It's the, the fictionalized version of who your ideal customer is. And you have to identify your perfect customer in order to find them. So you need to know approximate age, their sex, education, level, their aspirations, and find it everything that you can think of that would make them a perfect match for you. When you've done that, your next job is to find them. So look at your avatar, look at their profile, and ask yourself, where will I find people like this? Where are they? Do they hang out at a real-world location, or can they be found on online platforms? Either way, you'll create a plan to capture their attention and to attract them to you. So if your demographic, like mine, is 40 to 50-year-old successful professional males with degree, level education or above, who enjoy driving German cars, who are very well paid for what they do, are curious and still have the hankering they had as teenagers to play guitar, and some of these guys are deep into old age now, then where will I find them? If I'm looking for professional people, a good place for me is LinkedIn. Uh, local business groups, business networks, meetups, even Facebook is good for me. And a really good question that I would ask all of us, regardless of who your avatar is. Where do people look to find you? Where do you look when you need anything? We look on Google, right? We do a web search. When was the last time you looked for anything in the yellow pages? When was the last time you even saw Yellow Pages? So you must have some kind of online presence. That probably means a website, and you must keep it updated. This is not negotiable. You must be findable by your perfect clients, or you'll end up having to work with people you don't like out of desperation. Be findable. Be found by Google. Get yourself visible. Have a presence out there. We'll look more at marketing in, in future episodes, particularly with online. And I'll be sharing what I do with you. So that's about all we need to think of for today. That's my 10 cents worth, if you like, on how to start up your tutoring business, the big things to think about. Now, that's not how I did it because I started nearly 20 years ago and an awful lot has changed. But what that definitely is, is how I would do it now if I was starting over again in tutoring. And it's what I do now with my business startup clients and any new ventures that I start. So I hope this gets you thinking and more importantly than that, gets you into action. So get busy. Let's go. Let me know how you get on, your triumphs, your tribulations. I'd love to hear from you. And if I can help you, I will. Right. Next episode, we're going to be talking about money, what it is what it isn't, and how to develop a positive money mindset. So join me, Neil Camado. Yes, the bloke with a funny name. That's going to stick, isn't it? In the next episode of the Tutor Podcast, where we'll be talking tutoring and how you can start, grow, and love your tutoring business. See you next time.
Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes, and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate, and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow, and love their tutoring businesses.